guys, welcome to episode 186 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. Nate. Ashley. Haley. Steph. And Adam. And it's a rare occasion that we have all of us, but it's a special one because five out of six of us just got back from what apparently is Taylor's only show of 2017. That is jaw-dropping to me. Well, you know, to be fair, she did say that she knows of it's her only show of 2017. I think that's something to consider still. She left it open-ended, but still it was a surprising statement to hear come out of her mouth. Really? Were you surprised? I guess I wasn't surprised as so much as I was disappointed. I mean, it makes sense looking at it from a timeline. We're in February. More than likely at this point, she would wait until the summer to drop any new music and an album in the fall and then a tour the following year. But of course, going into it, everyone had hopes that she would be releasing something new. Well, I don't think it rules it out. I think that she said this will be her only show that she knows of and then she said if you're here that means you're attending 100% of my tour dates and I just think we knew she wasn't going to be on tour this summer because she focuses on stadiums so it would be kind of impossible to have a tour this summer but next summer a tour is very possible so I think she could still do performances this year and release an album and be on shows like Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or things like that. And one thing that AT&T keeps on saying is that there are, you know, more promotions and more events and more things coming with this partnership that Taylor has with AT&T. So maybe there'll be some other type of performance in the summer or in the fall. Uh, It sounds like it's, you know, a long ongoing partnership. So there's probably more to come. That's definitely true. And I think it's important to remember that when news of Taylor's partnership with AT&T was first announced, it was always presented as a multi-year partnership. So this is only the very beginning, I think, of what we'll see from them. One more question I had I thought about regarding album release and new music, though, was I think back in the fall, wasn't it both Gigi Hadid and Martha Hunt who had quotes maybe at some fashion show or something about new music that Taylor is working on. So do you think that that was true? And this is maybe music that Taylor does have done, but she's just going to be waiting until maybe summer or fall to release? That's a good question. I think it could be a bunch of different things. It could have been, for example, her writing Better Man or her working on I Don't Want to Live Forever. So maybe we already have what she was working on. But The other alternative that I like better, and that I'm going to believe for that reason, is that they were talking about her working on music for album six and going to the studio for that. And I think that the thing that's different this time is that because she's not sticking to any rigid timetable, she has luxury to write a song, take a break, write another song, record, edit it wait for collaborators, and really just do everything at her leisure. Yeah, I think Taylor is really smart. She's proven that time and time again, but I think she's probably seen how taking a break has worked out for people like Ed and Adele, and she probably wants people to miss her, and she probably wants to enjoy a break, too. We do, Taylor. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) You guys just saw her. 
Well, we really wish you were there, Haley. We missed you a lot. I miss not being there. But it's exciting that we're all on this episode because then you can ask us all of your questions and we can give you the full recap. Yeah, Haley literally does not know anything about this event yet. We have not told her a single thing. I've seen a few photos that I had to force myself to stop because I was getting all sad. So I'm really excited to ask a whole bunch of questions. So the first thing that we have to talk about because it was such a unique experience was that prior to the concert, there was a pre-party hosted by AT&T that we were fortunate to be at where they basically had food and drink for a whole bunch of Taylor's fans and games and activities all related to Taylor. And it was really probably the coolest party that I've ever been to. So I did see on, I believe, Twitter that there was a t-shirt making station. Can you explain a little bit about what that was? There was a t-shirt making station. Basically, you went up to, I guess, like an iPad screen and you chose whatever graphic you wanted. There were three graphics of Taylor to choose from, and they were all from the AT&T um, graphics that we've seen. Pick that, and then basically you pick whatever little cartoons you would like on the t-shirt with Taylor's image. And obviously you put your name on it so that you know when you go to pick up at the station, they'll announce your name, and then you get your shirt. Um, and it's it was free. It was funny because I didn't think they were free. I was like, free? <laughs> um, <laughs> That was really cool, and the lines for that were endless. Everybody wanted to make their t-shirt, and some people I saw even ended up putting their t-shirts over their concert outfits because they didn't want to hold it during the show. (laughs) (laughs) Although AT&T also gave these cute little clear totes for the t-shirts. They did, yeah. It seemed like every detail of this party was so meticulously planned out and executed. I was very impressed. It was perfect. I agree. Even down to the name of the food that we ate. Oh, I love that. The way they named the food was so great that I want to read the names to you so you can hear how creative they were. For food, they offered the Welcome to New Pork Pulled Pork Sliders. (laughs) Which were awesome, by the way. (laughs) They had, all you had to do was saute chicken on a stick. They had I Knew You Were Truffle Waffle Fries. Then they had Sparks Fly Firecracker Fried Chicken, Mean Macaroni and Cheese, Teardrops on My Guitar, Tomato Salad. And then for dessert, they had things like Loving Him Was Red Velvet Cupcakes, Bad Blood Orange Cheesecake Bites, Cherry Lips Crystal Pies. And they had this really cool shake it off milkshake which was this little glass made out of cookie a chocolate chip cookie with milk inside it It was delicious everything was great i really envy the job of whoever got to just sit there and come up with the names for all of this food (laughs) i couldn't believe how creative it was all the fans were taking photos of the name tags and when you first walked into the party They made it like we were celebrities entering on a carpet. They made it so cool. You went through all these pictures of Taylor that were in the entrance, and there were employees from AT&T there taking photos of you or your group, whatever you wanted. And they kept saying they would take as many photos as you wanted. They were such great staff. And then when you got past that entry, you absolutely could not miss a giant TS sculpture in the middle of the room 
which was actually a stand full of donuts. It was donuts on one side and pretzels on the other, all in Taylor's initials. There was so much food. They also had a popcorn bar. They had waiters circulating with trays of everything where you could get it on your own. There was a bar. There were multiple bars. There was lounge seating. It was just... Oh, and there were hair and makeup studios that you could go to. And Ashley, you did that, right? Yeah. I did the hair portion. One side of the bar was hair. The other side was makeup. So that was really cool to get to do. Um, There was four pictures that you could choose from on how you wanted your hairstyle. So I did a braid. And then they gave you the option if you want to glitter your hair. And who wouldn't want glitter in their hair? I considered it. I wanted to, but they turned me away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. They didn't. (laughs) And they also had a huge screen at the end of the room that was playing... Taylor-related videos, Uh, they had a DJ that was playing really loud music, kind of like a nightclub vibe, and they had really even thought of everything because they had, around the venue, several mobile charging stations so people could charge their phones. It really was so well thought out. It was like the perfect event. And the different photo booths were really cool. We went to one where the end result photo actually moves and you have to throw your arms up when they're doing the photo and then you can see how it turns out at the end. I've never seen this done before. That's actually a feature. um, If any of the listeners have Instagram, it's a feature on Instagram called boomerang. Oh yeah. It's a lot of fun. It takes like a two second video or I don't know how long exactly, but, and then it reverses it. So it moves back and forth like a moving picture. And they also had us confetti bomb ourselves, which was pretty funny. They gave us handfuls of confetti to throw up in the air, and I had so much hairspray in my hair that I was picking confetti out of my hair all night after that, but it was (laughs) worth it. (laughs) So the other thing was at the opposite end of the room, there was also uh, like a big lounge, basically, where fans could go and mingle and sit or dance or, you know, whatever. They had all kinds of what looked to be expensive furniture uh, all over the place. Anyway, it was very cool. It was uh, like a nice clubby kind of lounge vibe. and. Honestly, one of the best things about the whole night last night, and I feel like it has to be credited to probably the fact that it was run by AT&T, I have never had such good cell phone service in a <laughs> concert before, and I was shocked. That's I a really good point. Everybody, I could tweet. My phone had no issues at all. That never happens. I noticed that too, and at first I thought maybe because there were fewer people in the venue than you usually have for a Taylor show, but... It probably is because it was AT&T running this event. It was great because usually you can't use your phone at all when you're at a Taylor show, which makes things difficult. So it was really nice. So how long did the pre-show party last? I want to say of the time that we actually spent in it, I think the whole party ran about three hours, but they brought everybody over in sort of waves. So depending on when you're shuttle bus arrived to the party you probably spent between an hour and a half to two hours there and then at a certain point they told us that it was time to start heading into the venue which we did at about 8 30 p.m and keep in mind taylor did not come on until 11 30 and this pre-party was located right across the street from club nomadic so it was very convenient we were able to just walk outside basically walk across one street and make our way into club nomadic And when they actually transported us there 
to the pre-party. They had everything so meticulously planned that they had Taylor music playing the whole time. They encouraged everybody to get pumped up and sing. It was just like a big party. And about how many people were invited to this pre-show? I'm just guessing here, but maybe around 500 people. There were a lot of people there. I would say probably at least 500, maybe 600. Like Nate said, it was a lot of people. But the venue was large and everybody seemed to have a lot of space. We weren't crammed in there. So after going from the event area to Club Nomadic, what was the feeling of that setting versus being in an arena show or a stadium show? Wow, like totally different. So when you go to any Taylor concert, of course, you have everybody there who's excited to be there. You have signs, you have costumes, you have uh, all of these things. It was strongly encouraged by AT&T that everyone who attended wore some type of like party chic club outfit, kind of. So that really changed the entire perspective of what to expect of this thing. So when you walked into the venue, first of all, they had another grand entrance like they had for the pre-party. Lit up, pictures of Taylor, perfect like club setting. And you walk into this venue. First, it is humongous, this venue. I think they said it was like 60,000 square feet, something like that. Huge, huge venue. Uh, But tiny by comparison to a normal Taylor venue, still. True. Uh, Normal Taylor concerts at at like a small arena hold 10,000 people. I think in attendance, there were 9,000 people at this concert total. So as far as the building itself, it was this open-faced lean-to warehouse. I don't even know if that makes sense, but the one side had a lot of air coming in, pretty open. It wasn't closed off at all, which really helped, I think, as far as the concert goes for for myself. I mean, just a lot of fresh air going in there, which was nice. So as far as the structure of the club itself, it was this massive, like, steel warehouse steel walls like steel roofing easy to assemble perfect for what this venue is actually used for uh, a pop-up club so easy to assemble the concert area itself was huge i mean open i mean took up most of the actual space and then there were two levels for you know two levels of balconies basically for other people to stand and, and view the concert it just felt like you were in la or something and I've never gone to a club in LA, but that's what I felt like. And even the bathrooms were really nice. Ashley and I went and they were in these trailers and they were actual stalls. It, when you walked out, you felt like you were going to a porta potty or something, but it was like an actual bathroom. It felt really high class to me. So it was just a really, like Nate said, different atmosphere. Usually at a tailor show, you have costumes and people with signs everywhere. So this felt more grown up, I guess, being in a club atmosphere. Apart from the bathrooms too, there were these like, okay, so as far as most people's actual tickets went, it was standing room. The whole thing was general admission. Basically, you were only allowed to be on the ground floor. If you had some type of press pass or VIP pass, then you were allowed in the upper balconies for a better view, basically. But as far as the main floor went, They did have certain lounges and certain areas that 
were very classy. I mean, of course, you know, bars and things for people over 21, but everything was just put together very nicely. Expensive furniture, well-lit areas, smoke, laser lights, like it was the real deal. And like Nate said, it was general admission. So you had 9,000 people in this venue all, and the majority of us were on the floor in general admission. So it was tight quarters. And like Nate mentioned earlier, we were in there early and Taylor didn't come on until 1130. But they got the crowd pumped up by having Ruby Rose DJ pretty early on. I forget exactly what time she came on. She came on from, I think, about 10 to 11. That sounds about right. I think she quit around 11.20. We really only had to wait about 10 minutes before Taylor came on. It was a long wait, though. It was a long wait. Especially when you're standing, waiting for Taylor. Is Ruby a good DJ? Oh, yeah. As far as her set and everything, I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, people really enjoyed the music. She played a lot of great songs. She played Ed Sheeran. About 75 times. About 75 <laughs> times, which was awesome. I but feel like that was by request by someone. It may have been. <laughs> Either way, I mean, it was great. It was such a different atmosphere for a Taylor concert that really played nicely, I think, for a lot of fans. Well, after Ruby ended her set, like I said, there were only about 10 minutes that we had to wait before Taylor came on. and. I kept track of these songs just for, so people would be able to hear about them. But before Taylor came on, Selena Gomez was played with Can't Keep My Hands to Myself. And that was the same as in Austin, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. And then immediately before Taylor came out, this was great, Ed Sheeran again was played. The whole song of Shape of You. And I thought that was a nice little touch. Like Ashley said, I think somebody... Certain Blonde had some input into those two songs being played before she came out. Are you sure about that? <laughs> no, I'll just question. So she started out with New Romantics, and we kind of knew immediately that that's what she was doing because she did a little like instrumental segue when the band was coming out on stage, which when she did it in Austin, we had no idea because it really didn't sound like the song. It was just very like vague. But it was the same intro that we now recognize. So we got really excited because we knew that that was opening up the show. So as the as this intro was playing, it was very similar to Austin or like the Speak Now tour in the sense that she basically rose from the stage in this smoke cloud of lasers. I don't know if that's the best description for it, but <laughs> smoke cloud of lasers. Smoke cloud of lasers. I mean, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. And of course, the bass. Oh my god, we have to talk about the bass for a second. My jacket that I was wearing was getting blown back by the bass. Like, that was <laughs> how intense that it was. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, I wonder if the bass felt magnified because of the fact that it was an indoor venue compared to an outdoor football stadium where there's just open air. I'm sure it has to intensify the bass, but it seemed so loud. It was awesome. Oh, 100%. Absolutely, because this was one of really the only times I can remember when I left the Taylor show when my ears were plugged. Like, I could not hear properly for a good few minutes, and normally that doesn't happen, even at a huge stadium. Yeah, I couldn't hear properly either, even throughout the day after today. It was rough. 
I feel like it was the same decibel volume in Austin compared to this show. But with Austin being so open, basically outside, we, did, we just didn't notice it as much. Obviously, the sound dispersed instead of echoing through the room. Yeah, that's a good point. Before we move to the next one, I just want to say one thing. I did get that prediction right for as far as my setlist predictions. The first song that I thought you'd play was New Romantics, just by the way. Well, it wasn't exactly a wild card guess. I know it wasn't. (laughs) But I'll give you your gold star. I rarely get a win on this. (laughs) Well, after New Romantics, Taylor went right into 22, which when we talked about Austin, we said how nice it was to hear 22 because we had not heard it in so long. And again, it was really nice to hear it. Definitely for me, too, because I was not at the Austin show, but hearing 22 again brought me Red Tour vibes, that's for sure. And throughout the first couple songs, it was definitely clear that she was making full use of the stage. She had a full band, as she normally does. She had her four backup singers, which she usually has either three or four, so that was pretty much expected. And like Austin, she didn't have any dancers, so it really was up to her and her backup singers to sort of fill up the stage. And they definitely did. It was so crowded that I didn't even, I couldn't even see over people enough to realize that there was a catwalk coming out into the middle of the crowd. So as soon as I realized that, when she started walking out to the middle, that was really exciting because it felt like the 1989 tour, even though it was a shorter catwalk. And it was actually a very large circular catwalk. So that was pretty different too. And it was even more so apparent, um, the third song of the set list, Blank Space. I mean, really, she was all over that thing, uh, all over the circular catwalk, all over the main stage itself. And it was pretty much a traditional type of Blank Space performance. It was the song itself and her just really giving a lot of uh, emotion through her dancing as she performed this song. Yeah, even the graphics for this were the same as 1989 tour. So it felt kind of like 1989 tour which was great because the fans obviously felt like they were still at the tour because when taylor went into the part of the show where she would use the loop pedal and yell out the name of the city and have that played back of course the fans decided to yell out houston during that part of the song and we were pretty far away so we couldn't see taylor's reaction But other fans said she definitely heard the fans screaming out Houston at the appropriate part, and she was just loving it. Yeah, I didn't care. I just kept yelling. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was driving them crazy. (laughs) And another thing, you know, that reminded me of the 1989 tour through this performance that we haven't talked about yet was Taylor's outfit. Black outfit, and I apologize in advance because I'm horrible at describing these things, but one-piece dress short skirt, lots of sequins and sparkles, and I don't know, Ashley, you know more about this stuff than I do. I would describe it just the way you did. Okay, all right. (laughs) Anyway, it was a really cool outfit. If you guys haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's all over social media. I mean, not to insult your fashion knowledge or anything, (laughs) but was it a dress? I thought it was more of a romper. A romper. You know, I even know what a romper is, and I'm disappointed at myself for not describing it as a romper because it was shorts right she had or she had shorts under it yeah i'm pretty sure she did they were very very short shorts 
like a high cut short, I guess. I don't I'm the wrong person to describe these things. And Taylor posted on Instagram that her outfit was thanks to Versace. Yes, if you want to see the outfit, you can see it right on her Instagram. I'm guessing Versace just custom made this for her, which is pretty cool. So after Blank Space, Taylor went right into I Knew You Were Trouble, which again was reminiscent of the 1989 tour. Unfortunately, we didn't have all the the smoke involved in the tour performance, but it was just as good. And it was more of a straight version of Troubled, not with the different things she does with it on tour, with with her her intro, that's kind of, we always say it reminds us of Lord, but it felt kind of like the Red Tour performance, really, is how I would describe it. It's That song is great, no matter how she does it, so I was happy. You're right, Steph. It did remind me more of the Red Tour performance because of the second half of the song when they introduce the dubstep elements or the the EDM elements, which were cool. And to me, those have always been the best parts of that performance, especially from the Red Tour. Uh, If I could tie it back in earlier to what I said about the bass, I mean, during that song, it's just incredible. I think it just helps to magnify the power of that song. I think it's just a fantastic performance song overall. And I can understand fully why it's Taylor's favorite song off of Red. Well, after Trouble, Taylor went right into style. And it obviously didn't include the dancers and their wheelies, but it was really very similar to the 1989 performance. You know, with the VIP list at that club, I fully expected like 30 people to march out there on stage during style. (laughs) That would have been cool. I think at this point of the show, I was thinking, you know, maybe because there are all these celebrities and VIPs here, she's just going to do like the biggest singles for this set list because they'll know all of them. But then the guitar came out and Taylor threw us all for some loops during this portion of the show, which I was really happy about. So obviously... We had speculated a lot on recent episodes about if we thought Taylor would play I Don't Want to Live Forever and if she would bring out Zane. We talked about it at length on last week's episode with the Talk Direction podcast, if you guys haven't checked that one out. And I think we all felt like she would definitely play it, and we were all a little bit split on whether or not that would be with Zane. And she did post the day before the show rehearsal footage of her playing it acoustically. And I guess I'm always suspicious, and I thought that her posting that was to throw us off. And when she brought out the guitar, she said to the crowd, I see a lot of phones going up, and you may be expecting that Zane will come out, but he's not here. I'm sorry, you've only got me. (laughs) I just thought that was so funny. Only have you, Taylor. And you know, I still didn't buy it until the song was over. I still thought maybe he would come out. And she said, unfortunately, he's not here, so I'm really going to have to request that you sing along loudly, if you know the words. And yeah, like Steph said, I didn't buy it. Even when it was like in the second verse, I was like, she's going to pause and be like, wait, and he's going to arrive in a cloud of smoke. I don't know. I (laughs) I always expect that. But he didn't. And ultimately, I think that the song was amazing acoustically. It was amazing with Taylor 
on it just by herself, and I'm really glad that we got the chance to hear that full version. I think in the past we mentioned maybe she would do it on the piano, but then when she posted that video on the guitar, I thought, wow, that would be really a different way to hear the song. And then after she did that, Zane also posted an acoustic full performance of him singing it. And he said that his version will be released on iTunes at some point. So we can, I guess, all cross our fingers that maybe Taylor will do the same thing. I don't know. It's cool that there's three different versions of the song and they all sound so different. And they're all great in their own way. And then... Right after that performance, Taylor went into You Belong With Me, also on the guitar, and it was just a very nice, old-school-feeling, classic Taylor performance that I really enjoyed. And it was cute the way she introduced it, because she mentioned how we're here for the Super Bowl, and she has this song that talks about cheerleaders. I feel like she really was going out on a limb to be like, how can I introduce this song? Okay, (laughs) cheerleaders, Super Bowl, yay. (laughs) I always loved the original performances of this song. You know, we said the same thing for the Austin show. There's just such a great energy with the song when she plays it. Um, And the fact that the wristbands were lighting up, everything was gold in the room, I think. Everything, it was just great about the song. While I do enjoy the Motown version and just a straight acoustic version, of course. Uh, It was nice to have just the old school, refreshing, upbeat You Belong With Me that basically we all know and love. Oh yeah, Nate just reminded me, we didn't mention that this show included the light-up bracelets like the 1989 tour. And when we went in, AT&T told us to take two. So the whole place was so lit up with everybody having all these bracelets on. And I'm really glad that she did that. I feel like that added an element to the show. And I'm glad that she did do this performance of You Belong With Me because as much as she's had so many smash singles after it, I feel like widely, especially across sort of a diverse crowd like this one, that's one of the main songs that people associate with Taylor the most. And I think new fans, old fans, people that know all her stuff, people that just know the singles, I think that's sort of a universal song that anyone who likes Taylor would enjoy. So it was at this point in the show when Taylor gave us the the bad news, I would say, when she talked about this being her only concert performance of 2017. Um, so I think we were a little bummed by that. But it quickly turned to happiness when she started talking about songs that she has written for other artists. So we know that lately there have been a couple and she talked for a minute about writing songs for other artists and how it's really nice that she was able to do that, but she often will not get to play them because those songs are for other artists. But she did want to play some of them in this concert, and she started out by playing This Is What You Came For, which is the Calvin Harris and Rihanna song. And at this point of the show, I was I was just really shocked. I was really excited when she talked about how she wanted to perform these songs that she had written for other people. Last week I said I really didn't think that she would even do This Is What You Came For again. I thought maybe she just wanted that for Austin and would just not revisit it at all. Oh, I was 100% with you. I never thought she'd ever play that song again. Yeah, I was just shocked. And in Austin she did it on piano, and this time we got to hear it on the guitar. And 
like we said earlier with the I Don't Want to Live Forever different versions, it's just amazing how you can have one song sound so different in different ways compared to the radio version, to Taylor doing it on piano, to Taylor doing it on guitar. Did anybody else have the thought when she was doing the introduction speech about writing songs for other people? I personally thought where she was going with it was she was going to reveal a a song she's written that we didn't know was written by her. Again, I'm a very suspicious person. (laughs) I guess just because she, because she kept saying songs, like alluding to like there were several. I'm surprised I didn't think exactly like you did because usually I would think that, but for me, my mind immediately went to better man and I just was having this internal meltdown. Like, is she going to sing better man? Because Last week, I said I did not think she would ever sing it. I thought she just wanted Little Big Town to have it, and I did not expect her to do it at all. And it was something I really wanted, because I think that song is amazing. So when she said that, my mind immediately went to Better Man. And then when she went into This Is What You Came For, I still didn't know if she was going to do Better Man. You know, even though she played just the two songs... It does kind of make you wonder, because she does like to use uh, a pen name. I mean, who knows? Maybe there are other songs out there that she has written or, you know, helped produce or something like that that she hasn't revealed yet. I think that's definitely a big possibility. After we found out about This Is What You Came For, I think on an episode we talked about how maybe there are other songs out there that we don't even know about over the years. Who knows? I think that... In a way, I still haven't fully processed the fact that I heard Taylor sing that. I was in so much shock, and I was just trying to, like, capture the moment. I wasn't expecting that at all. I remember Steph looked back at us, and we were looking at her just like, what is she doing? Like, I was freaking out. I love that song. I wasn't expecting that at all. So after that, continuing on the emotional roller coaster we were on, Taylor did yet another unexpected song. She actually performed Red. Yes, this was great. I think the last time I heard this was when Nate and I were at Columbus, and she did it during the 1989 tour. I'm always surprised. I was surprised back then and again last night that she has brought that song back because that's a song that's obviously very, very specific to the Red era, and... I never really felt like she was that attached to the song. The music video for it was a tour video, which, you know, is a little bit different than Taylor actually putting the whole video together. And it's like you move on from these albums and you just assume that Taylor has forgotten about all these songs because she has new ones and better ones. And I was very surprised, but I'm really glad. Yeah, I was too. And Red was a single that was released on country radio. So I didn't expect this at all. But... Taylor really made it like the Red performance. It was great. I felt like I was on the Red tour again. She had Paul and Amos, her guitarist and bassist, come out on the catwalk with her and they jammed out with her. and Just like they did during that tour. Right. It felt like we were right back at the Red tour. It was great. And I just wanted to scream, Red deserved a Grammy! <laughs> <laughs> still bothers me to this day did deserve a grammy but yeah hearing red was kind of like we said 
in Austin when she played 22, we didn't realize how much we actually missed that song until she played it. So that was great. And then Taylor went right into We're Never Ever Getting Back Together. And I was really hoping she would do the mashup. I mentioned this on a different episode. In Austin, she did We're Never Mashed Up With Bad Blood. And it was just brilliant. It worked together so well. So I was really hoping she would do that. But she did the full song. And I really understand why she did it. Because this was such a huge event with so many people. Celebrities, VIP people. And We Are Never was such a huge, huge song that it makes sense that she would want to perform the whole thing. And the next song, one of my favorite performances from the 1989 tour, uh, it was the pop remix of Love Story, which, if you guys remember from the 1989 tour, was amazing. Everybody loved it when she premiered it on uh, an award show. Do you guys remember which award show that was? She did it at the iHeart Music Festival for the first time. Okay, yeah, that's right. Ashley was there. Well, both Ashleys were there, right? Yes, Ash- both of us were at that performance, and when the song started, I honestly thought it was going to be a new song. I know I've said this on a previous episode, but Ashley had told me she's like, it's love story, and now that I hear that song, when she does the remix, the new version of it that's kind of all I hear now and I really love it it's still one of my favorites yeah but I was just particularly missing the flying balcony <laughs> yeah how could you not but it was complete with pyrotechnics which was cool indoors yeah there were a lot for the love story a lot of sparks and I think that was the most surprising part because we really were not expecting it at that point we had some smoke machines and things going but to actually see the pyrotechnics, I think, was pretty awesome in that venue. And then we all died after that. Because <laughs> what next? So, basically, towards the end of Love Story, as Taylor was on one side of the stage, a crew randomly runs out with this piano. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty amazing, to be honest. He had these four guys with this piano. Like ninjas. Like ninjas. So she had cleverly moved to the one side of the stage with all the sparks flying and everything to kind of distract us from these men carrying out this gigantic piano like onto the catwalk, basically. Uh, and they're uncovering it and they're setting it up. And it happened to be the same glittery piano that she had in Austin. Anyway, so she makes her way over to the piano. We're all excited because we didn't even think she would have a piano there. And she sits down and she says, you know, when... I was in Texas before playing the only concert of 2016. She goes, some people uh, started shouting out a song of mine that's really popular. And I thought, you know, the next time I play a show in Texas, I'm going to play this song. <laughs> and if you guys don't already know what this song was, we all completely died. The entire venue just lit up instantly. She goes... All too well. We're like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, the really funny thing was, as soon as the piano came out and Taylor was walking over to it, the chanting already started. People were chanting all too well again. Oh, did they? I totally missed that. Oh my god. Yeah. And I was feeling bad for her because I was thinking, oh no, we're chanting all too well again. We all want to, but what if she doesn't have that planned out? And then, of course, 
Taylor knows us. She pays attention to us. So she gave us exactly what we wanted. What other artist does that? And especially with that particular song, I would not hold it against her if she didn't play it because it's such an emotional song and it took so much out of her, I think, to play it every night of the Red Tour. And I was shocked when she gave us what we wanted to play it on the Grammys, which happened for 2014. And she's remembered that we love it and she's willing to sing it again. And I also want to say, I kind of forgot how long of a song it was. Just performing it, I feel like, was a huge, huge deal. Right. But when she performs it, it's usually about six and a half minutes long. Yeah, the tempo is a little bit slower because it's on piano. But it's it's so beautifully done. Everybody just loves it. And this is a song that was never even a single. But she just knows how much we love it. And like I said before, I just don't know any other artist who would do something like that, who pays that much attention to what the fans want. Yeah, I never thought we would hear that song again, so I was very surprised and very, very happy that she played that. I was some combination between crying and, like, head thrashing during it. (laughs) Well, Taylor kept with her usual head thrashing, which was nice. I was trying to emulate her, but I'm sure I looked nothing like her. (laughs) It really felt like we were back on the Red Tour. It was great. I think, actually, Taylor liked to post on Tumblr after the show that commented about how many Red songs were on the set list. So she knows that we like a lot of those songs. Well, then Taylor went into Enchanted Wildest Dreams, which I think is another fan favorite. You have a song like Enchanted, which was never single, like, all too well. And I couldn't help but feel a little bit sad during this because I was wondering in the back of my mind, if this was the last time I'll ever hear this. But like I just said, Taylor pays attention to what we want. And I think if the fans tell her how much they love this version, that maybe it won't be the end. Maybe she'll bring it back somehow, even just once or twice. But the way she does this song, I could never get sick of it, ever. I 100% agree with you. I love the mashup. Everybody loves Enchanted. I'm so glad that she sticks to performing this song because she knows what a big deal it is for her fans. And on top of that, Wildest Dreams, I mean, just goes so perfectly together with it. I was thinking, though, too, you know, I'm surprised that we haven't seen an independent version of Wildest Dreams, just a standalone either acoustic performance or pop performance or or whatever. Because I think that song, I mean, granted, I love the mashup, but could stand very well on its own yeah we've only ever seen her do it acoustically when she performed it at the grammy museum and then i think she did it in australia for that event i forget what it was called though but you are right it is unusual for her to have a single that was never a standalone performance on tour a huge single at that so after this the piano disappeared and i think we all knew we were getting toward the end of the show and Taylor went into Bad Blood. And like I said earlier, she didn't mash it up with We Are Never. So she did the full performance. It was just straight Bad Blood performance. It was great. And it always amazes me how the crowd is always ready to chime in on the Kendrick verses. Yes. <laughs> Much like when everybody was yelling Houston, 
everybody was yelling out the Kendrick lyrics. And again, we couldn't really see Taylor's reaction, but we heard fans who were close to the stage said Taylor definitely heard the fans screaming this and reacted positively. And so then, after Bad Blood, Taylor sort of went to her pose on the stage and I just, I knew Out of the Woods was next because she always starts it by having her back to the audience so she can have a dramatic beginning to the song. So she did that and I just don't think I could ever get sick of the Out of the Woods tour version. Yes, for me, it's a lot like the Enchanted Water's Dreams. And I was again thinking, is this the last time I'm ever going to hear this? Especially the bridge. That is always the the part that kills the fandom. That is such a cool part. Truly. I mean, she just puts so much emotion into the song. It's just so apparent how invested emotionally she is in this song. Especially considering that it's the track on 1989 that she considers to tie everything together, basically. But the performance itself was really like the 1989 tour performance with like Adam mentioned, the fantastic bridge, and you can't get sick of that song, the way she does it, how she figures out how to rearrange songs like that always amazes me. And I think the only bummer about Out of the Woods, which has been consistent, is that we always know that it's about to end with Shake It Off, and so far that's always held true. All good things must come to an end. But it was the traditional Shake It Off performance. Minus the the elevated moving catwalk, of course. Uh, But it was complete with fireworks and confetti. I don't see any other way that she could close a show. It just fits so perfectly. And it, it works. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I sort of felt like, especially because she didn't have, obviously, the elevated, you know, moving thing to fly around. I felt like she was really hardcore dancing. Oh, she was working that stage. She was really shaking it off. (laughs) She really was. And there was a ton of confetti, which was nice. I think during the tour when she was flying around, you know, they had them strapped in on a belt and like movement was kind of limited. And I sort of felt like last night she was almost like freestyle dancing around the stage and it just felt really fun and I really enjoyed watching it. And yeah, massive amounts of confetti showering down, even though I still had confetti stuck in my hair from the pre-party that I mentioned earlier. And really, the show ended right at one. It was pretty much exactly an hour and a half. So it was a nice length, I thought. She gave us a fantastic show. She really, really gave this her all. You could absolutely tell. Yeah, there were no breaks, no costume changes, just straight Taylor an hour and a half which really when you think about the 1989 tour it was often two hours but she would have to go change and and sometimes you would have the videos playing so it's a very demanding performance to do that for an hour and a half well I have two last questions for you guys first one would be what was your favorite part of the entire day I mean, for myself, it's really tough to pinpoint one particular moment that would be my favorite. I'd say if I really had to sit down and choose, it had to be all too well. It's been so long. It has to be. It's been so long since we've heard it. Everybody loves it. It's just so emotional. It's just a fantastic time every single time that you hear it. 
I agree. That's hands down what I would vote for. I'm going to give a more general answer and say that it was just the experience of seeing Taylor play in a nightclub because not a lot of people can say that. And now we can say that forever. That's a really good point. Yeah, Haley, you were kind of, I feel like you're trying to trick us with the way you were your question. Because <laughs> if I had to pick a favorite song, I'd probably go with what Nate and Ashley said with All Too Well. Although for me, Better Man is like way up there because I thought I would never hear that song. And I think that that song showcases what a fantastic songwriter is. And it's the first song Taylor has written completely on her own since This Love for 1989. And This Love was the only song Taylor wrote by herself for 1989. So to me, Better Man, I think people really need to pay attention to it and give Taylor a ton of credit for it. And to hear it live was just incredible. But like Adam said, really, it was just the whole experience. We have no idea what Taylor's doing. And the fact that we were fortunate enough to be able to see her once this year in what I guess is likely her only show was so amazing and we were really lucky to be there i'm gonna answer in two parts so my favorite part of the night from the pre-party was the photo booth because i really liked that aspect of getting to create memories and pictures with everybody and then from the concert itself i'm gonna say that i really enjoyed getting to see her sing better man so that was my favorite part of it i did love all too well but I just, I again, just was a show shocked that she sang that song. All right, and my last question, and it might be for some of you the same, but from the whole day going forward and having future Taylor concert tours, what is one thing you wish, hope, dream that Taylor will take from all of this and put it in her? tours going forward i would have to say and i think that's such a great question because she is always sort of building off of things and when things are well received she tends to pay attention i would hope that she would spend more time in each show devoted to acoustic sets and going along with that i would also hope that she realizes and i think maybe now she does that even if a song wasn't a single there are a lot of songs that are really worthy of being played at least once in a while, and she shouldn't be afraid of playing rare songs because we will fully appreciate it every time. I also agree. I mean, that was such like a great question. I mean, like Ashley said, always building off of things. I think that's especially important because I think, in my opinion, what she should keep for the next show or, you know, whatever going forward isn't necessarily songs from the set list, but... When you think about the Taylor fan base as a whole and the demographics that she caters to, granted, quite a large variety of people and uh, backgrounds and ages and everything. But when you think about the core part of the fans themselves, they are moving into, I don't know, more into maturity, I guess. So when you see this nightclub atmosphere and everyone's dressed up and feeling great and doing this like high energy song in this club, I think that's something to consider moving forward as far as either setting the stage for future shows or maybe possibly for her music or, but anyway, just in general, kind of gearing it towards a more mature audience, if that makes sense. I get what you're going for. 
Yeah, I echo everything that Ashley and Nate said. I think Taylor knows what she's doing, though, and no matter what she does next, she'll figure out a way to make it fantastic because before the 1989 tour, we had no idea what she was going to do, and it turned out to be the greatest thing. So I just trust in her to never lead us astray, and she just is always amazing. And my suggestion would be that Taylor flies into the stadium like Lady Gaga did at the Super Bowl halftime show. All right. (laughs) Yes, and speaking of that, I think Taylor should do the Super Bowl next year and announce her tour right after it. I'm calling it today in 365 days. All right. I'll probably be wrong. And we mentioned this before, but everyone should definitely keep checking Taylor Swift now on DirecTV. They're uploading content kind of continuously, and they've definitely said, and Taylor has said, there will be footage from the shows. So I'm excited to see what they put out. So we just want to say a big thank you to AT&T, DirecTV, Taylor Nation, and Taylor for coordinating this amazing event. I can't even imagine the scale of planning that went into it. And we will be back with you guys for another episode next week. And in the meantime, if you want to give us any feedback about this episode, about the concert, if you have questions, if you were there and want to share your thoughts, we would love to hear from you. Our website is swiftcast13.com. You can email us at swiftcast13show at gmail.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. We're at swiftcast13 everywhere. And we would love to hear from you guys. So for now, for episode 186, this has been Ashley. Nate. Ashley. Haley. Steph. And Adam. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management. 